Hi, I'm Pastor Nick. Thank you so much for joining us for today's service. I was just wondering about maybe telling you a joke before I get to the message here. It's been a long time since Pastor Lisa or I have told you a joke. And uh, here we go. An elderly gentleman placed an order for one hamburger, french fries, and a drink. He unwrapped the plain hamburger and carefully cut, in, cut it in half, placing one half in front of his wife. He then carefully counted out the french fries, dividing them into two piles and neatly placing one pile in front of his dear wife. He then took a sip of the drink. His wife took a sip and then set the cup down between them. As, as he began to eat his few bites of hamburger, the people around them were looking over and whispering. Obviously, they were thinking, that poor old couple, all they can afford is one meal for the two of them. As the man began to eat his fries, a young man came to the table and politely offered to buy another meal for the old couple. The old man said, they were just fine. They were used to sharing everything, in fact. People closer to the table noticed the little old lady hadn't eaten a single bite. As yet, she had not even touched her half of the burger. She sat there watching her husband eat and occasionally taking turns sipping the drink. Again, the young man came over and begged them to let him buy another meal for them. This time, the old woman said, No, thank you. No, thank you. We are used to sharing everything. Finally, as the old man finished and was wiping his face neatly with a napkin, the young man again came over to the dear elderly lady who had yet to eat a single bite of food and asked, what, uh, what are you waiting for? And she answered, the teeth. <laughs> uh, well, if you like that joke, uh, give credit to Pastor Milton Basil, who uh, passed it on to me this past week. If you don't like it, you can blame me. Blame me for, for telling you that, that joke. Okay? I hope we're still friends. <laughs> All right? Well, my friends... Our theme today is pursuing godly goals. Most of us have various kinds of goals we want to pursue in life. And today I want us to especially focus on pursuing godly goals. James chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 summarize for you and me some of those beautiful godly goals and here's what those two verses say. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Amen. My friends, 
The first truth we want to focus on is this. Number one, pursue. Pursue the godly goal of inward purity. Inward purity. The first part of verse 17 says, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. Pure. Dr. Albert Barnes, a great theologian from the 1800s, correctly says this. He says, The meaning here is to purify the heart. Purify the heart. I was reading in the Beacon Bible commentary where a Nazarene scholar by the name of Dr. A.F. Harper, I had the privilege of meeting him some years ago, by the way, Dr. Harper says, the wisdom from above is another word for the life of God in the soul of man. Think about that statement. Isn't that beautiful? The wisdom from above is another word for the life the life of God in the soul of man, the soul of men and women, right? Dr. Harper goes on to say, James lists purity first, first, probably because the gift comes from a holy God. He goes on to say, as a result of this cleansing, a person's nature becomes as similar to that of God as it is possible for the finite to resemble the infinite. Let me give that to you again, and you'll see it on the screen. If you really think about it, it's, it's just wonderful. It's deep. It's deep. All right, here it is. Here it is. Dr. Harper says, As a result of this cleansing, this purity, a person's nature becomes as similar to that of God as it is possible for the finite, F-I-N-I-T-E, that, that's you and me, that's you and me, to resemble the infinite, that's God. Wow. Wow. That is very deep. That's marvelous. And that's precious truth. To be pure is to be holy. We're talking about holiness. That's what it's talking about. Holiness. In different places in the Bible, we read about purity, about holiness. Here are some truths we need to give attention to. For those of you who are making notes, A, the Lord is able to purify your heart and mine. We have many Bible verses that teach us this truth, and we find individuals in the Bible crying out for this purity. Psalm 51, verse 2, Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Psalm 51, verse 7, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Psalm 51, 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. 1 Corinthians 1.30 Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and He freed us. He freed us from sin. 1 John 1.7 The blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Acts 15.8 and 9 God knows people's hearts 
And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them for he cleansed, he cleansed their hearts through faith. Then when we come to 1 Thessalonians 5, 24 we read, Now may the God of peace make you holy. Some translations say, sanctify you holy. May He make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body he be kept blameless until, until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God, God will make this happen for He who calls you is faithful. Isn't that beautiful? He who calls you is faithful. Let it happen, Lord, in each one of us. And then point B, heart purity results in complete loyalty to God. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. James 4, verse 8 says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Christians were being told, people were being told to purify. You and I are being told to have our hearts purified, for their loyalty, it says, was divided between God and the world. Heart purity results in a complete loyalty to God. Are you fully loyal to the Lord? May you and I, all of us, truly seek the cleansing, purifying work of His Holy Spirit so there is full consecration, total loyalty to our Lord Jesus Christ. Point C, heart purity. Heart purity honors God. Yes, indeed. Psalm 86 verse 11 tells us, Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. I may honor you, O Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Point D. Heart purity means sin no longer needs to control you or me. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says, Sin is no longer your master. Sin is no longer your master. Between Romans, Romans 6, 7, and 8, the theme that comes across there is this good news that sin does not have to control us. We don't have to repeatedly say, well, I couldn't help but do wrong after all. I'm just human. The Lord tells us that we can have victory over sin. Heart purity means sin no longer needs to control you or me as we allow the Holy Spirit to control us and master us. Amen? Point E. Heart purity does require ongoing effort, discipline, and determination. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, we read, Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. Pure and blameless in His sight. Point F. Heart purity or Holiness is a top priority. Listen to Hebrews 12, 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. 
without holiness, no one will see the Lord. In Matthew 5, verse 8, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Amen? Point G. Point G. Heart purity is the solution. Yes, it is the solution to jealousy, selfish ambition, boasting, lying, selfishness, disorder, and evil of every kind. We read about these different issues in the verses just preceding verse 17 and James 3, beginning at verse 13, for instance, we read, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works within the humility, with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. One of those evils, one of those evils has been racial discrimination, which has been talked about and protested against a lot the past many weeks. Someone, someone listening to this message today might be tempted to say something like this. You might be tempted to say, oh, Pastor Nick was talking about, about heart purity. He was talking about some religious experience or some theological or psychological or theoretical issue. My friend, I, I want to say to you, if, if any of you are thinking that, let me tell you, let me tell you, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. That's right. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. The inner nature, transformation of the inner nature is what is needed here in Toronto, in Ontario, in Canada, the U.S., around the world. That is the source of many problems. When you and I truly allow the Holy Spirit to purify our hearts and then allow the Holy Spirit to really control our lives, our lives, then, then there would not be, there would not be racial or cultural discrimination or evil of every other kind. When the heart is made right, when the heart is transformed by the Holy Spirit, the fruit would be and will be what God wants it to be. It is good and right to have, for instance, it is good and right to have laws against racial and cultural discrimination, but the best solution is for each one of us to have our hearts cleansed by the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. Galatians 5.22 declares, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, 
Galatians 3.28 says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Praise his holy name. Acts 10.34 says, Then Peter replied, I see, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Isn't that marvelous news? God accepts everyone. The question is this. Do you and I, do we accept people of different races, people of different cultures, people of little education, those with very high education, people who are poor, those who are very rich, people whose cooking smells differently than yours, <laughs> people who dress differently than you. God accepts everyone. It is good and right to have laws against racial and cultural discrimination and other evils. But the best solution is for each one of us to have our hearts cleansed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise His name. Have you cried out? Have you cried out to the Lord to cleanse? to purify, to sanctify your own heart, to purify, cleanse, sanctify your own inward nature. That's what God wants to do in each of us. Call out to Him today. Do not delay. Call out to Him. Say, Lord, I want, I need, I plead for this inward purity, cleansing, sanctification, entire sanctification that you want to bring about in my own life. Let it be so. Let it be so. Praise the Lord. And so, the first godly goal you and I should seek after according to to James 3, verse 17, is purity. Then follows the train of blessings, additional goals, which you and I should have. James 3, verse 17 says, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, such as we've talked about. First of all, it is pure. It is also peace-loving. It is peace-loving. There's our second goal. Number two, pursue the godly goal of being peace-loving. The King James, that's, uh, that's a New Living Translation, by the way. The King James Version translation uses the word peaceable. Peaceable. The Greek word, Erinokos, Erinokos, um, in English we would spell E-I-R-E-N-I-K-O-S. The Greek word which is translated peace-loving or peaceable means this. It means having 
a right relationship between you and other people and having a right relationship between you and God. That's what it means. Dr. William Barclay says, there is a kind, there's a kind of cruel wisdom which takes a delight in hurting others with clever but cutting words. There is a kind of depraved wisdom which seduces men away from their loyalty to God. But the true wisdom at all times brings people closer to one another and to God. That's wonderful. Notice what verse 3, uh, notice rather what James 3 verse 18 continues then to say. Verse 18 goes on and says, And those, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. I did quite a bit of reading to try to get a, a fuller and a better understanding of what verse 18 means, especially the part which says, reap a harvest of righteousness. What does that mean? After doing a lot of reading of various commentators and thinking about it and meditating about it, I, I believe reap a harvest of righteousness means this. It means you will experience a variety of blessings for right living. You will experience a variety of blessings for right living. Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. That's what we want in our lives. Amen? We want God's blessings for being peacemakers. Matthew 5, verse 9 says, God blesses those who work for peace. Psalm 37, verse 37 declares, A wonderful future awaits those who love peace. A wonderful future awaits those who love peace. What are, what are some of the blessings peacemakers experience? Think about it with me. What are some of them? All right? Here are some of the extra blessings peacemakers can experience. A, you are more liked and appreciated by family and friends. That makes sense to you, doesn't it? B, you are more likely to have a good marriage if you're a peacemaker instead of a peace buster. C, you are more likely to have inward peace knowing you are not in conflict with other people repeatedly. D, we're talking here about extra blessings that peacemakers experience. D, 
you are more likely to be promoted at work because supervisors and managers have to get along with different people, all kinds of people. Amen? E, you will be less lonely. That makes sense, doesn't it? If a person is a repeated troublemaker, there are going to be fewer people who want to hang around with him or her. That's one of the ways of avoiding loneliness, by being a peacemaker. E, or rather F. Well, you can think up other blessings. If we had the time and we talked about it, I'm sure you could add to this list of blessings that peacemakers can enjoy and experience. Sometimes being a peacemaker is easy, right? Sometimes it's easy. Other times, it can be very difficult and it can be very costly. Most of you have heard about how in ancient Rome, gladiators would fight and kill each other for the entertainment of 80,000 people in the Colosseum. I'm sure most of you I've heard about the gladiators and those terrible fights and battles. Back in the fourth century, there was a monk, a monk, M-O-N-K, a monk named Telemachus, spelled T-E-L-E-M-A-C-H-U-S. Telemachus felt God saying to him, Go to Rome. Go to Rome. When he arrived in the city, he found people all excited. Telemachus asked why all the excitement. And he was told that on that very day, the gladiators were fighting and killing each other in the Colosseum. And the whole city was excited about what was happening. Telemachus, the monk, thought to himself, four centuries after Christ, and they are still killing each other for enjoyment, for the fun of people. He ran to the Colosseum and heard the gladiators saying, Hail Caesar! Hail Caesar! We die for Caesar! And Telemachus thought to himself, this is not right. This is not, not right. Telemachus jumped over the railing and he went out into the middle of the field, the field at the Colosseum. He got between the two gladiators, held up his hands. He held up his hands and, and shouted, in the name of Christ, stop! Stop! The crowd protested and began to shout out, run them through! Run them through! The crowd was telling the gladiators to basically kill him and get him out of the way. A gladiator went over to Telemachus, hit him, hit him in the stomach with the back of his sword, 
and the monk went flying into the sand. Telemachus got up and again shouted. He shouted, in the name of Christ, stop, stop. The crowd continued to shout, run him through, run him through. In other words, kill him. Gladiator went over to the monk. The gladiator went over and, and plunged his sword through the little monk's stomach, and he fell into the sand. Telemachus fell into the sand, the sand which began to turn crimson with his blood. One last time, Telemachus gasped out, In the name of Christ, stop! In the name of Christ, stop! A hush. A hush came over the 80,000 people in the Colosseum. Soon, a man stood. A man stood and left the Colosseum. Then another person left the Colosseum. And then a, another and another and more and more people left. And within minutes, 80,000, 80,000 spectators had emptied out of the Colosseum. It was the last known gladiator battle in the history of Rome. It was the last known gladiator battle in the history of Rome because of what Telemachus did. Telemachus was a peacemaker, and it cost him his life. But in the end, it saved the lives of many other people. What will it cost? What will it cost you and me to promote peace, to promote peace in your family, in your workplace, at school, eventually when students get back to school. What will it cost you to promote peace in your community where you live? in our church, wherever we are? Will it cost, will it cost you saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me? Will it cost you admitting, perhaps, admitting that you were wrong? Will it cost you making a, a decision to, to put the, the past behind you and deciding to move forward? Hmm? Will it cost you to pay a debt that you owe someone? Will it cost you to, to humble yourself 
Will it cost you to, to change your ways to promote peace? Whether it's in your family, at home, church, at school, at work, wherever it might be. Are you, by the way, are you a, a peacemaker or a peacebreaker? First Peter chapter 3, the second part of verse 11 says, Search for peace and work to maintain it. There is no doubt that effort is needed to be peace-loving, to be a peacemaker. But I've learned over the years that when we cry out, when we sincerely cry out to God to purify our hearts, one of the natural outcomes is to be a peacemaker, to be peace-loving. My friend, make these your goals. Pursue the godly goal of inward peace and the beautiful goal of being peace-loving. Will you? I want to pray with you. And if this prayer expresses your heart's desire, would you sincerely pray? Pray it with me. Don't pray just because Pastor Nick Stavropoulos of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene is asking you to. Please pray it. Only if it truly represents what you sense in your own spirit, your own heart. I'm just going to keep my eyes open. But let's just look to the Lord and pray. Dear Lord, Thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for your holy word that invites me, that invites me to pursue these marvelous goals. The goal of inward purity, heart purity. Lord, purify my own heart. Purify, Lord, my inward nature. Lord, cleanse, purify, sanctify through and through, Lord. Whatever, whatever words it takes, Lord. I may not understand all the words, but Lord, by your Holy Spirit, do inside of me, do inside of me what only you can do, making me, molding me, transforming me, cleansing me through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I want and I need 
the heart purity that you speak of in your holy Bible. Let it happen in me, Lord. Purify me. Cleanse me. Sanctify me through and through. And dear God, as you do that within me, I know, I know it becomes even easier for me to be peace-loving, a peacemaker. Lord, I don't want to be a peace-breaker. I don't want to be a peace-buster. I want to be a, a peacemaker. And so, Lord, I pursue. I pursue this goal of peace-loving. Yes. Yes, dear God. That's what I want in my own life. Make it happen, Lord. Make it happen. I know that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary so that your spirit and your power can be released to bring about the heart purity in my own life and the peace-loving goal that you want me to pursue. Let it happen in me today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.